0: Graduate school plans. But
1: I don't have my own money yet.
0: How do you find yourselves keeping the connections and friendships that you made? How do you like
1: make a
0: space for yourself where you like have friends? Like, I don't think I'm gonna just start
1: working and keep working forever right now.
0: When am I gonna have to give up on time?
1: But I don't know if that's okay.
2: Checking the news, looking for a job, using a public restroom. You can't do much right now without asking a lot of questions. So when it comes to figuring out what to do with yourself after college, it's tough to even know where to begin. But at the very least, you're not alone. This is All Roads from Oberlin, an independent podcast about being okay after college. And welcome to our most student-driven episode yet. So this is the last episode of the first season of All Roads from Oberlin, and for this episode we're doing something kind of different. If you're tuning in for the first time, first of all, welcome. My name is Julian, I edit the show, but aside from that, I'm not too important to this episode, because this one is for the grads. I mean, well, okay, I mean, I guess all our episodes are kind of for the grads, but especially this one. My co-producer Maddie, who just graduated herself, did some Zoom calls with people in her class and recorded questions. The questions about life, about friendships and careers, and even some sad questions, So Maddie took these questions and got some alumni on Zoom to listen to them. And throughout the discussion you're about to hear, we're going to play these questions and let the alumni talk about them in the context of their own lives, and maybe even try to answer them. But first, let's meet everybody.
0: So maybe to start, I can introduce myself, and we can just go around and introduce ourselves really quickly. But I'm Maddie. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I just graduated from Oberlin in May. And I don't really know what comes next for me.
3: I'm Jackie Hilton. I'm currently the Vice President of Human Resources at the American Nurses Association. I've had a 30-year career in human resources and talent acquisition. And talking about curveballs, I never imagined that I would be working in a healthcare organization in the middle of a global pandemic.
4: (laughs) I'm Sarah Dunn. I use she, her, but don't mind they, them, depending on the space. I was a double degree in Latin and voice performance and not really distinguished in either, so knew I wasn't on a graduate track for either. I am currently working at an executive. Firm that focuses on the real estate industry with a wonderful Oberlin alum. And I am a board member and chair of the governance committee for the Oakland Parks and Recreation Foundation. In my past life, before I moved to the Bay Area, I was the chief talent officer for an economic development and real estate advisory firm in New York, which I actually joined as a special assistant to the chairman a million years ago, uh, about six months before the global financial crisis started. So excited to talk to the students and recent alums about what it's like to have to adjust your career plans and roll with some of the punches that the world throws at you.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So the first questions that we're going to ask, I think, are a bit more technical. First, a big wide one. The job market right now is unfortunately truly historic. What advice would you give to people who have just graduated or about to graduate into this economy?
3: I graduated in 1991 at the tail end of a recession. A lot of my classmates who had worked so hard alongside me graduated into unemployment. And I I guess the headliner is that, you know, we all survive. And so I would advise my fellow OBs to just feel confident um, that this is a small chapter in their overall story and it will pass over. Um, And I I feel very confident in saying that because there have been 47 recessions since the Great Depression, um, and our our economy has recovered from every single one of them. And so, you know, I would say that's a pretty good track record, and and I would um, encourage people to stay encouraged.
4: I would echo Jackie's words and say that there's a lot, there's still a lot of reasons for hope. It's something that we will recover from, that you will recover from. You've probably gotten this before, but you can separate your career from things that you need to do for your financial situation. And especially right now, that is completely okay for you to be doing. I graduated in 2007 and something that was true of me and every single one of my Oberlin classmates was that we had things that we were doing for ourselves to push our careers forward. And then we had things that we were doing to make money. It's hard that you guys don't have the option of bartending. It is a good <laughs> way to make a lot of money for you guys that might be customer service that might be doing smaller odd jobs. And that's that's okay. Not everything has to go on your resume. You're not doomed forever if you are taking care of the financial situation that you're in right now.
1: Uh, Hi,
2: my name is Isaiah Barnard. Uh, I just graduated from Oberlin College with a double major in philosophy and French. My pronouns are he, him, his. I would definitely ask about graduate school plans, right? Like, is this the time, especially if you're talking to professors, and I have been actually talking to professors about this exactly, because my sister's just starting law school, for instance, um, and she's like happy about that, because in a way, she is sort of going into a pocket of security, at least so she thinks. And so I'm wondering, okay, suddenly should I immediately front load my, my graduate process um, and and just sort of push employment to the side if I can? Or should I still do what I've been recommended to do by, by certain professors, which is go into the workforce, get experience, and then apply to grad school?
4: This one was a tough one for me because... Um, this is one where it really, really, really depends. You know, I'm a very, very strong cheerleader for be out there, even if you've had an internship or you've had a real job over the summer or you worked all through high school or you worked all through Oberlin. You really don't know what it's like to be in this sort of professional world until you're you're in the world. Um, that said, it's good to look at this strategically. You know, if you can do a really good program without having to move and relocate yourself like. Yeah, sure. And especially think through what you're trying to get out of the environment. Um, You know, it's not the same if you can't go grab a cup of coffee after class with your study group or, you know, go grab a beer or go to somebody's house for a party. It's just it's just harder to build those connections. And if you're going to grad school to get those types of connections and network, it's it's going to be challenging. That Makes sense. Yeah,
3: I I would definitely agree with that. And this is one of those big areas where. You can't get blinded by should, Mm. right? You should do this before you do that. You should have this before you have that, right? I can't tell you how many people I've talked with who, for whatever reason, have spent, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, six figures on getting, you know, an MBA or a master's degree or a PhD. Only to step into their field and find out that it's not exactly what they thought it was going to be or not exactly what they wanted. And now you've got this huge investment in that continued education. And a lot of people find themselves trying to then go back and fine tune that. You know, you might know that you're going to have to have a PhD in fill in the blank in order to do what. You ultimately want to do. You might think differently about the situation than if you're in a circumstance like Sarah or I were, where you can kind of jump in and, you know, get some of that experience and then, you know, kind of figure out how to supplement your education and build your credentials from there. So, I mean, this one is one where it really, really depends on your personal. situation.
4: Totally. If you guys want a tattoo, you shouldn't get blinded by should somewhere or put it up in a poster. If, if the students could take one thing away from that conversation, it would be that. The amount of self-awareness you have, the amount of knowledge is going to drive your decision-making. And that should drive your decision-making more than just like general wisdom around this stuff. Even general wisdom around going to grad school is what you do during recessions. Like, <laughs> Do not get blinded by should. I'm excited to get that tattoo.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Adrienne Rosales. I like the pronouns she, her, and I studied creative writing at Oberlin. I'm very curious about if people feel like it's possible to start and then pause and start again, because I feel like there's this idea that if you want to travel the world or whatever, you have to do it before you go into a career, because once you've started your career, you can't pause because then you ruin your whole flow and no one will want to rehire you or whatever but now it's not a great time to travel I do want to be able to like take a step back and go one day but I don't have my own money yet and so my thought is like take a step into the pond get some work experience build my resume but you know be prepared in a couple of years to take a step back and do my own thing, then maybe go back to school. Like, I don't think I'm gonna just start working and keep working forever right now. But I don't know if that's okay.
4: Look at your tattoo. <laughs> yes,
3: I, I agree. And, and, you know, the short answer is you can create your story any way you want to create your story you know, now's not a great time to travel, but if in your heart, you know, that that is something that you want to do, then be about the business of planning out what you're going to do now on your way to that next. Mm. If your dream is that, you know, you're going to travel first class and, you know, stay in five-star hotels (laughs) while you're seeing the world, you're going to need a different plan. (laughs) And if, You know, you're gonna put 30 days worth of stuff in a backpack and just be on your way and go and explore. Um, And again, this this is kind of a tough time. I know that a lot of people have had plans in their mind of, you know, I'm gonna graduate, I'm gonna take that gap year, I'm gonna travel. You know, that's not gonna be a whole lot of fun if you've got to get off the plane and self quarantine for 14 days. And right, so don't do it now, Mm -hmm. you know, put that off and and figure out what you're going to do now on your way to that next. And, and so again, it's really about understanding what you really want and then making a plan to bring that into being.
4: Mm. You know, when I saw this question, I just my heart went out to, now I know your friend Adrian, (laughs) because it made me look at all of these questions differently. And I said, you know, some of what seems to be underpinning these questions is that there is accepted wisdom. And some of it was kind of old-fashioned anyway, but you know, we're in such uncertain times, so there's no accepted wisdom to hold on to. And I, I wondered if maybe our, our wonderful new alums and students are home with their parents who are worried for them and have a hard time pulling themselves back from, you know, the lives that they expected for their kids. And, you know, frankly, what you guys deserve, you guys all deserve a wonderful gap year, you know, eating your way through like the South of France. Um, (laughs) But one of these questions is what you wish you had known as 20 years old, knowing how to kindly set boundaries with my parents when they were trying to act in my best interest and they cared about me, but they were harming me with some of their catastrophizing during the Great Recession was something that I wish I had known at 20. This is a good time to say, Mom, dad, parental figure, I need to set some boundaries because this is a really, really tough time. No more articles about how my generation is a lost generation. No more no more stories about what so and so's kid did. Like I need to chart my own path. And, you know, to sort of switch gears a moment and take Jackie's advice a step further. You know, it's it's not just what will a gap look like on your resume, but I think it's what kind of life do you want to have? You know, some of this travel can be done through work. Something I find with recent grads from Oberlin that is really interesting is that they don't know yet that they can do their passions as part of their careers because Mm -hmm. careers are changing so much now. Digging into your own power, desires, thoughts, dreams, hopes, and putting together a plan for that, making intentional decisions against that is a really, really, really good option for you to explore Rather than getting held up by how something is going to read on your resume or read on your LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. William, um, I see him, his. I'm uh, 22.
2: We haven't been saying our ages. I studied politics and cinema studies, it's my majors and a minor in econ.
0: This next question is definitely going to be a look at the uh, Don't Get Blinded by Should tattoo.
4: But... I, we got it a lot, and it's...
0: When am I going to have to give up on my dreams?
4: Never. Never, ever, ever. Um,
3: you know, if... if, And I wouldn't even call it giving up on a dream. If mm. if you are going to choose to put a dream aside and put another dream in its place, that is absolutely fine. Um, but But what I read in that question is this notion of you know, eventually I'm just going to have to throw up my hands and wave the white flag and, you know, say that this isn't going to work for me. And I just don't look at life that way. You know, there is something to be said for doing the work of thinking through, you know, who you are and what you want your life to be, and then doing the work of constructing that that life. And And again, not blinded by should, not blinded by all the well-meaning advice of, you know, those who have come before you, but really carving out that thing that you want for yourself. On the one hand, it sounds like a very Aliana kind of thing to, to put out there, but, you know, particularly now, I think there is so much more opportunity for people to be able to create the lives that they really really want maybe more so than when my class came out in 1991, right? I mean, things have changed a lot since then. When when I graduated, it would have been taboo to talk about things like I don't want to be in an office 5 days a week and so you know, is it possible for me to telework a couple of days a week? Or, you know, do you have job sharing? I mean, back then, it was like the kiss of death, because it meant that, you know, you weren't serious about a career, and you weren't dedicated to the to the organization. And today, those conversations are commonplace. And they're commonplace because people, you know, had the courage to say, I want something different.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I want something different. And so, You know, just know that things are changing all the time and and you
4: really can create that situation that you want. My heart went out to the Obis when I read this question, because it's just, it's so extraordinary to have the experience of being at Oberlin. My best friends now are my best friends when I was at Oberlin. It's just, and so I I understand sort of the fear and sadness, but it's just never going to be like that again. But would really echo Jackie, you know, the strength that an Oberlin education gives you is that you are able to create the future that you want to create. And to just rather than going out and auditioning for every TV show to make the TV show that you want to be in. Like, that's what my 06 (laughs) alum friend Ben Sinclair did, you know, to create the job that you want to be in the situation that you're in, where you're in a you're in a classroom you're not working with a TA, you're working directly with a professor, you're working on things that are more abstract, that aren't something that immediately translates into a job. That's preparing you for this really hard, nonlinear work that you do need to do to figure out what your dream is. And, you know, also to be able to take in more feedback about the what you actually are and 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 want. You know, some of Mm -hmm. your dream may be based on what somebody else's dream is or what somebody else has accomplished. And part of Doing the work is sort of figuring out what that actually means or looks like for you. How are you creating and designing the life that you want to be in? How are you using all of your smarts and your networks and your passions in order to move that into meaningful work? And so your job search process, your networking process should hopefully be delivering you good feedback and information about what that actually means and looks like for you. You know, don't get discouraged and give up your dream, but... As Jackie said, do all of the work of looking within and figuring out what that really really means for you. And also, you know, almost every single Oberlin graduate has gone through the same thing. So you are certainly not alone.
1: Totally. Hi, I'm Lucy. I use they, them,
0: and I studied Latin and ancient Greek at Oberlin. You have such a life you build in college that's so easy to build because of the way college is set up and I think that I've been wondering a lot like how to build a life similar to that outside of college and like how do you do that Mm -hmm. how do you like make a space for yourself where you like have friends and you have the ability to have time to see them and you like you know have enough time to continue a hobby or learn a new one you know Stuff like that, where in college is so easy because of the way that you structure, it's structured versus the real world where it's not structured that
4: way. You have to do that yourself. If somebody knows how to answer this question, I would love them <laughs> to, to email it to me. <laughs> so here's how how I thought about it. And
3: Sarah, you actually said it towards the beginning of this podcast, right? So once you're out of college, I think it takes a little bit more thoughtful planning to be able to do the things this person is asking us about. But the bottom line is that you can be deliberate about allocating your resources and allocating your time um, and figuring out how to prioritize those things that are most important to you. I think the thing that's hard is, especially for, for those of us coming out of Oberlin, right, we've got a lot of choices and we've got a lot of options and we've got a lot of opportunities and we kind of want to seize all of them,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. you know, but the reality is you can't seize all of them. (laughs) It's easy to decide against, you know, something that's good and something that's bad. You choose the good thing. It's easy to choose between something you want and something you don't want. You choose the thing you want. It's harder choose between two things that you want and you just have to decide which one you want the most. You know, college does make it easy if, you know, your best friend happens to be right down the hall or in the dorm across the street and, you know, you're not navigating you know, jobs and families and this and that to try to find the time to get together. But, you know, as Sarah said earlier, some of my best, best, best friends today are people that I met when I was at Oberlin. And most of them don't live here in the DMV. They're on the opposite coast. They're in other countries. But we have prioritized those friendships and those relationships And we make sure we find ways to stay connected and to get together. The same is true for hobbies or things like that. If you prioritize it and if you dedicate the time and the resources to be able to pursue those things, you'll pursue them. If you don't, you will find that some days not a day of the week and there are never enough hours in the day and those things will get lost in the shuffle. And so life really is one great big project plan, yeah. <laughs> right? And and you're trying to figure out how to time box all those things that, you know, you, you want to be able to get
4: done. I would also say that in some ways the pandemic has delivered a lot of us a gift. It slowed us down and it said, you know, If we're going to get pushed down by this virus, how do we want to say that we have spent our time? Use this time to figure out what you need to take care of yourself, you know. While you're still on your parents' health plan, get a therapist and practice making space for going to therapy every week and being intentional about that. Take up meditating. Learn how to make space for yourself to exercise. You know, learn how to make plans to do Zoom happy hours with your friends, you know. like learn those TikTok dances, you know, figure out the things that you need to do to go to bed every night and feel like you spent your time in a way that makes you feel good and and taken care of, because it does get harder once you start working an intense job to be able to carve out space for those other things. And one of the big lessons of your first job is being able to take care of yourself in a way that you, sh- you are able to show up and do your job and get the most out of it. That's a, a little bit of a capitalist view on this, but... <laughs> Being able to sort of figure out your life and your mental health and your physical health and your social relationships and your hobbies and having a good feedback loop there and focus and prioritization is going to help you show up ready to do your first job because you're right, your first job is not going to deliver for you in the same way that college did. Hey,
0: everyone. um, I'm Naisha McLean. I go by Nay. You, uh, she, her, hers, and I majored in sociology with a minor in Africana studies. Yeah, I was. <laughs> um, I was going to say, like, how did they find themselves still communicating with their friend groups or communicating with the people that they met? Because I, I've been just been thinking about the one thing about going to college and like at Oberlin is you meet so many people from so many different places, and like especially in a time where we all just left very abruptly. How do you find yourselves
4: keeping the connections and friendships that you made? In the past 24 hours, I've gotten texts from a friend of her new baby that came yesterday, a pandemic baby. I got a text from my best friend who I met in Talcott. She was smoking a cigarette outside, and I just walked up and started a conversation with her best friend for for 15 years. Um, wow. I spent a socially distanced uh, happy hour in my backyard with... Um, with two friends, one of whom we live next door in Talcott, but um, we met because we were on the same cooking crew in Asia House. And she was the only normal one. (laughs) The people that I met and the experiences that we've had together and the relationships that we've built have changed me absolutely and 100% for the better. There's a lot of other harder or critical pieces that are maybe the subject for another podcast, but knowing what I know, knowing all the experiences that I've gone through, I wouldn't change any of it, especially for the people that are still in my life today as part of my like very, very strong, very, very strong social and emotional support network. Not to kind of one-up Sarah, (laughs)
3: right? You know, I came out before Sarah And earlier this year, before the pandemic took over, I actually flew to Tennessee because one of my very good friends from Oberlin had a baby who I just adored and loved and watched grow up. And she was having her baby shower. And so I flew to Tennessee. And I hung out with my friend and her daughter, and I rubbed her belly. And <laughs> you know, the plan was for me to go back and squeeze on that baby when he was born, which he has. He was born as a pandemic baby, also. Um, you know, think about think about the generations there. You know, she and I. It's very funny. She and I have a picture of when the two of us went to Disney. We were we were actually Oberlin students and there's so there's a picture of us in Mickey Ears and then we have a picture of us with our daughters in Mickey ears. Oh. Right? And so now their babies coming after that. And she's like, okay, so you know we're gonna have to make an I was like, I know we the
4: <laughs> grandpa. <laughs> mickey
3: ears i talk to people all the time who don't have that level of relationship for everything that overland is and as crazy as it can be at times somehow we get that part really really right um and my story is not that unique sarah's story is not that unique Um, Just the relationships that get made on that campus endure really for a lifetime. They really do.
2: This has been All Roads from Oberlin, an independent project produced by Patty Stubel, Maddie Henke, and Julian Wirth. Jackie and Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. We made some stickers for the show, and we'll send you both some. Also, shout out to the seniors on this episode because this one wouldn't have made much sense without them. Our cover art is from Steven Metzer, and our iconic theme music appears courtesy of Piper Hill and Claudia Hinsdale. This marks the end of the first season of this podcast, and if you've listened this far, thanks for sticking with us. If you liked the show, loved the show, or if you've got some burning hot take criticism of the show, you can reach out to us on Twitter, at Oberlin Rhodes. And remember, this career development stuff is great, but ultimately, it's about helping you feel whole. Whatever helps you do that in a healthy way, you're valid for it. Have a good day.